0: Self and Society podcast, exploring what it means to flourish as an individual and a community. This is your host, Ari Armstrong. Music by Jordan Smith, cjsclassical.com. Please join my email list for updates or help support the show financially at ariarmstrong.com. Our guest today is Steve Spangler. He is an Emmy award-winning science educator. He has put on thousands of science shows for kids and appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres show and many other programs. He is currently the host of Exploration DIY Sci now in its fourth season. He's also an author and the founder of Steve Spangler Science. And he's one of my five-year-old's very favorite science presenters. A quick note, I had my microphone set in correctly, so Steve sounds great, but my audio is not always optimal. Nevertheless, I'm delighted to bring you this wonderful interview. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks for coming on.
1: Wow, you you are, uh, uh, you have insurance, is that right? So there's, if, if you're not watching the video here, the, the, I'm on fire and so now I'm off. And so now do you understand why uh, Ari, I'm good for a podcast is that you don't have to pay for the insurance, any of those kinds of things. I just, I stand here in this kitchen as I have been for the last year, Things catch on fire. I twirl liquids around. You know, all those stuff you see on the show.
0: So I'm going to nice. do something a little different that I've never done on my podcast. I actually promised my five-year-old he could have the first question. So come here and you can ask your, ask your question.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: This is Quinn. Wait just a
1: second. Who is this? Who Tell is me your this? Name? What's your Quinn? name? Quinn. What's your question, it's- Quinn? Um,
2: How do you figure out your experiments for your shows?
1: How do i think of the experiments for the show is that what it was oh good well quinn um so uh we have a whole team of people that sit around and drink coffee and eat snacks and then we drink more coffee we eat more snacks and then somebody says well what do you think about this and then we say do you think we'll get in trouble doing that and then somebody says let's try it and then we say Let's call like the Fire Department and ask them if there is a place in Colorado we could take fifty gallons of slime and drop it off of a building. And then a lot of people call other people and the next thing you know, they say no, no, they say yes sometimes. And so that's how we come we come up with the idea sometimes people send in mail. Sometimes we get uh, ideas from people who are on social media, and so they'll send us something on Instagram or Facebook, or sometimes just really smart kids like Quinn will say, "What would happen if you did this?" And I get my ideas from talking to you. What do you want me to do in season five? We just signed for season five. What do you oh, want me to do?
0: Congratulations! That's awesome. I was going to ask you about that.
1: That's fun. Do you have any ideas? What do you want me to do, Quinn? Ooh, we could drop a
2: free, free ton. Time- of water down from a building.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so you it could drop three tons of tall. water down from the building. It'd be so great, don't you think?
2: It could go, <laughs> and you could drop it over Higgins.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, Hey, hold on just a second. Quinn, stay right there. Don't move, all right? Don't move. Yeah, we'll um, stay here. The good news is this, is that Higgins is far, far away, so he can't play any dirty tricks on me. <laughs> There he is. Do you see yeah. him? <laughs> see, there's the Higgins. Say hi to Quinn. Hi, Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> I like your idea, buddy. I really <laughs> like your idea. See, I told you that would be a good idea, didn't I? It's really, really good. So Higgins is here. So he's always helping think of experiment ideas. And so that's kind of how we kind of come up with them. Quinn, what what uh, was there anything favorite that you liked on the show? Like, did you like it when we had Higgins maybe push the barrel of ice cream around the city? Was that good? Yeah. And yeah. Guess
2: what? My favorite part was my favorite show where you made fake blood, and it looked. And like I when you it, when you used like fake blood, to look like it. You cut yourself. Oh, I actually thought you did cut yourself. <laughs> did,
1: you did you really? <laughs> you didn't really. Yeah. The fake blood, man, that's a good one, too. It looked too good. I mean, he really looked like, but it was good for Halloween. Don't you think that's fun for Halloween? Yeah.
0: Hey, I want to bring in here. So I heard the claim that your parents actually produced the blood for the Jaws film. Is that true?
1: Yeah. So lots of the um, the, the fake blood that was used at Universal Studios, Paramount Pictures, really concerned about close-ups you know when you're in jaws i'm sure they've got just like paint that's in the water or whatever it is. but the close-up stuff my dad was responsible for kind of engineering that micro and uh that ultimately was taken over by 3m and so uh but but yeah almost all of that blood came from our basement when i was a kid so uh i was born in mid 60s I don't remember that but in the 70s I remember mom and dad filling up these containers with blood and they would take it to the post office every day and crazy people like uh, Jim Henson would want it for his puppets that needed weird I mean before he was doing Sesame Street or whatever uh magicians would use uh, the fake blood this guy by the name of Gene Simmons from this rock group called Kiss would mm-hmm. want it th- wanted the blood you know so stuff like that so it's uh, yep it all at all came. So I have a fascination with fake blood, for sure.
0: You know the one that surprised me in terms of shows is that you got a school to let you in with a hovercraft, and you're like, Bernie. I think it's a leaf blower. I'm like, he's burning a leaf blower through the. It's great fun. You're like scooting down the hallways. But I thought, how, how did? I don't, it's one of the local schools, but
1: yeah, no. I, and you know what's fun about that is just being able to reach out. I mean, I've been um, in 1991. So if we go backwards a little bit. Uh, From 1991 to about 2003, I traveled to schools all over the country, so I logged about 4,500 school presentations during that time. So that's a lot of schools. And and i've learned that schools love to participate in this kind of thing, so when you can pick up the phone and call one and say hey remember that from a long time ago i'd love to come and bring the TV show and. After hours, would you mind if we just kind of like use your hallways and we run around with hovercrafts and whatever else love it. And you get to go back there and engage with kids once again, and I mean that's kind of the name of the game you're just you're building these memories and and uh, and making this all kind of fun, so it is it's been a blast.
2: Guess what? I saw where you soaked a person with soda.
1: <laughs> we did soak a person with soda by accident. No, it wasn't by accident. We did and all those kids, all those kids at that school did the mentos and the diet Coke and the carbon dioxide came out and and, and maybe we soaked Higginsworth a little bit. so he probably no my didn't favorite know was.
0: I think it was 2005 and you had Kim Christensen of Nine News and she was a little surprised by how much it shot out and uh, got you did got her pretty good so That was hilarious. We'll need
1: to talk about that. When we unpack that, remind me to go back and talk to you about that because that's that's something we need to unpack. That was a game changer. Uh, Time, place, everything was perfect alignment. It's amazing today that business schools have white papers written on that moment in time from a marketing standpoint because that changed everything. So, uh, very strange. But, Quinn, you are so fun to ask questions and everything. I hope you have a really good time on your dinosaur show. Are you yeah. gonna watch your uh, watch your dinosaur show? With
2: dinosaurs.
1: Gosh, you, you know what, if you're if you're just listening to this podcast right now, I am seeing this adorable young man filled with wonder and discovery and exploration in his eyes and curiosity. And and that's my goal, is to make sure that doesn't disappear. And so the real question, Ari, is how do you make sure that's that happens? Uh, but- what can we do to avoid any type of burnout that we would lose that moment of wonder that I'm looking at in his eyes right now.
0: What do you think you want to be at this point, Quinny?
2: A fossil hunter.
0: Who's your favorite fossil hunter?
2: <laughs> of the person who did inner fish.
0: Inner fish. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: like like our uh, like our free ear bone bones came from fish's gills.
0: Are they related? I didn't ultimately? know
1: that.
2: Wow. Yeah, so. All right. Amazing. Well, I didn't know that.
1: No, Do I didn't I? know that either. <laughs> wow. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing that with me. Huge thanks, Quinn. Do
0: you want to go thank you. watch your show? Yeah. All right. Say thank I'm, you.
1: Hey, Quinn. Thank Quinn, you. Quinn! before you showed up, something happened. Higgins <gasps> gave me a book and he told me to read the book. And so I don't know why. I, I, I've read it and it's just, it's not very good. <laughs> you understand, don't you? <laughs> Did you see it? I hope you have fun, okay? Okay.
2: (laughs) When you opened it, it it had fire going out.
1: I know. It's so scary, isn't it? It is. (laughs) It is so scary. Hey, Quinn, can can I show you one more? Can I show you one more thing? Okay. So here's the thing that I want you to do. If your mom and dad love you, they're going to make you one of these, okay? So look at this. So look, Quinn. So your mom and dad are going to make you a board like this, and it's going to have four ropes coming up like this. This is the best way to serve a snack to somebody. So what you do is you get a snack. Oh, like here, for example, Quinn, let's just say, for example, you were gonna have some friends over and you're gonna make a drink. (laughs) So you're gonna have like Kool-Aid or something like that, preferably brightly colored liquids, okay? You're gonna love this, this is gonna be great. Your mom and dad are really, really gonna enjoy this as well. <laughs> so here's what you're gonna do is you now, you take the glasses like this. So you see the glasses that are here? And we mm-hmm. fill them up like this. And then let's say we need to mix them up. You put sugar and you put some, some, some flavoring in there and then you wanna mix them up. Well, you don't wanna take a spoon and you don't wanna put your fingers in. So what you do is you put them on the board like this and then you swing them around. Quinn, have you ever heard me say on the TV show, don't try this at home? What do we say next? Don't try this at home. Try it at a friend's home, right? (laughs) That's what we always say. Don't try it at home. Try it at a friend's home. So, so Quinn, watch this. It's a good idea, don't you think? (laughs) No. Swing this around if you're just listening we have we have three glasses on a board that you ah, swing over your head in the kitchen ah, holy oh. moly here we go Quinn this is the best part here's the best part and ah, the crowd goes wild Quinn look at that Success.
0: we will definitely try that yeah
1: I think your mom and dad are going to want you to try that at your house okay
0: definitely outside in the backyard would be an excellent
1: place for that
2: yeah just in case it went wrong right.
1: just, i know just in case it doesn't just go wrong so, yeah just like, in case
2: like like if the glass went out and and broke and water went everywhere that would be as a fail
1: it, it's, it's that quite, would be a fail that yeah. would be pound fail higgins would get very mad with all the video equipment that's around here right now so he would get mad
0: for sure okay i'm gonna ask some questions okay okay you got your show. thank you hey, bye Penny. quinn
1: see you later dude bye right. how <laughs> adorable you, is he Ari?
0: i thought it would be uh suitable for this kind of show um it's,
1: it's suitable for any kind of show i mean he's so so smart and uh this is i mean everything that we're talking about today it really is encapsulated in the last couple minutes of what you just saw. If you missed the video, I hope you can see that. His eyes, uh, it just just his sense of engagement. This is what I talked to corporations about today, believe it or not. I mean, who, who would have ever thought that a science guy from Littleton, Colorado, would be talking to top corporations about the science of engagement? And what does engagement look like? What does it look like for customers what does it look like for employees what's it look like for just one-on-one i mean they have questions like how in the world do you get a billion views b billion how do you get a billion views you're a science guy and nerdy and whatever else so was there a technique and is there a formula and really kind of interesting to get people thinking in that mindset but i don't want to hijack your questions you well, no know, no
0: no I'll no call. you no this is about you so well that's one thing that was interesting to me when i first Learned about you. I knew about the DIY side, which we watched through Amazon, but then I started digging back and I saw that you're involved in so many more things like teacher trainings and I didn't even know this aspect of sort of corporate trainings. So that's, it's really interesting. You have, you have your finger in a lot of different pots.
1: You kind of have to nowadays, but what's so interesting is that these opportunities pop up. And so you sit there and you look at this, you know, let, let's go back to the Kim Christensen thing on Channel 9. So, um, you know, those people who are listening outside of Colorado, KUSA uh, 9 News is the NBC affiliate. I've been with them since 2000, uh, but I've been in television in the Denver market since 1991, but always been with NBC. You know, it's kind of bounced around from place to place. <clears throat> um, there is this thing where you would take, I'm a chemistry teacher, so that's, that's how I was trained, and... Um, if you wanted to teach kids about carbon dioxide, a couple of different things you could do. Uh, one of them was, of course you shake up a can of soda and uh, believe it or not, you can shake up a can of soda and pop it open and it won't explode if you know how to move the bubbles around. So you can actually move the bubbles around in a can. I'll show you if you want me to. Uh, so you would do that and then sometimes you would take a bottle of soda and you would drop things inside. Like if you take really fine sand or, or um, salt, and you pour it into soda you could make it bubble all over the place kind of erupt because uh, all the carbon dioxide comes out and a pretty popular demonstration in the the 90s was to take a roll of wintergreen lifesavers and you would put them through a pipe cleaner and then drop them into a two-liter bottle of soda and it would shoot up in the air like a geyser it's great so i had done that on television a fair number of times and one thing led to another and the people at lifesavers those people changed the diameter of wintergreen lifesavers so i had an embarrassing moment uh, on stage when i had uh got all these together uh, five people came up put the 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 tarps on them or you know the ponchos kind of a big build up you know what i mean and they've got three, uh, five containers that are there. Three, two, one, drop them in. And you could see them go, I can't, and, like it was a joke and people laughed. And, and I thought, why doesn't this work? And come to find out the Wintergreen Lifesavers had changed. Instead of 22 millil- mill- millimeters, it was 23 or something like that, it was crazy. So bottom line was we got through the presentation, but everybody was searching for something else. And what you're searching for is something that has little pits on the outside, even microscopic little pits. It's a place for all the carbon dioxide bubbles to congregate. They're called nucleation points. And when you take a regular glass, like I'm holding up a, uh, just a, a regular glass, you'd pour soda into that glass. Um, you can actually see little bubbles on, on the edge of the glass. And that's where imperfections are in the glass. That's where the bubbles hook onto. So that's what happens with Mentos, is that there are these little um, pits on the outside and they're heavy, so they go to the bottom, all the carbon dioxide comes out of solution, doesn't have any place to go but up, and it shoots up in the air. So I've done that on television, I don't know, three, four times. Um, even reached out to the people who make Mentos, a little company called Profetti Van Mel, and asked them, hey, are you interested in this in 2001 and 2002? No response, no response, no response. And... Um, so I told you I work for this nine news station in Denver and, and a wonderful anchor by the name of Kim Christensen was in the backyard with me. And it was in September of, of 2005. And I told her during break, I said, "Now, Kim, we're going to do that Mentos thing. You remember that I did with soda? And she goes, Oh yeah, I remember. And I said, no, Kim, you got to stand back. So once we drop these in, we got to stand back. Oh, I got that. I got that. And I asked my do- producer ahead of time. So I'm going to use diet because diet's not sticky. So that's the reason it's always diet, is it's, there's no sugar. It's not that there's more carbon dioxide or something special. It's just not as sticky. It's not sticky at all. Um, and, And so to make the sponsors, nobody was mad. I used Diet Pepsi and she used Diet so when she dropped the Mentos in and was so excited, she kind of stayed there a little too long and it shot up in the air and went all over the St. John's outfit that was gorgeous. And then that happened three more times during this three and a half minute segment. It's like, Kim, you got to move back. What happened was she had to do that. That's a four o'clock news. She had to do the five. She had to do the six, she has to do the nine and the 10 and no time to run home in between. So in order to explain to the audience why she looked the way she did on camera and her hair was kind of whatever, they would always show the clip. So that day that that clip aired, I can't tell you how many times
0: you were very lucky and very
1: devious. Well, it wasn't devious. I wish it I wish it were as the story goes. I got hauled into somebody's office two days later for shutting down the Gannett server. And I said, what what, what does that mean? And they said, well, we found out, Steve Spangler, that you sent out an email to some teachers to watch this. And I did. I had a list of 200,000 teachers that were in our in-house list. And uh, I sent them uh, all an email and just said, hey, craziest thing happened. Ken Christensen got soaked. Uh, kind of a fun thing to do with your kids take a look at this and so i and it shut down the server so they said don't ever do that again so i thought i gotta put this video someplace and there was this brand new service that was free i don't know if you've ever heard of it It it's called um youtube and it was three months old and so i put that video up on youtube uh that was only three months old and explained what happened and that, that, by their accounts now, is the first viral science video ever on YouTube.
0: I knew it was an yeah. early one. I didn't know that they considered it the first one.
1: Yeah, well, there's only three months old, so there was nobody ahead of me. Um, it's so hilarious, though.
0: Think, oh. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. No, it's hilarious that they're like, no, no, we don't want you to produce a viral video about our st- our stuff. And now it's like well, that's but, all okay. everybody wants.
1: So let's throw them a bone a little bit. Let's understand streaming back in 2005 was expensive server server farms were different than they are today every view costs them something and they've got these people watching outside their demographics so it kind of makes sense today it seems really silly because there are entire companies that do nothing but this and we didn't even know what a viral video meant back in the day for youtube now that we know and we've done actual Projects with YouTube and we've been part of their original content series So they paid us as part of a project in 2010 to create content So now we got a little inside perspective. That's interesting um, You know back then 10,000 views in a day. was considered viral now If you don't have a million views per hour or per half hour, whatever that metric is, it's not viral So it's just a whole different level but at the, at its core think something we can all learn from is what's viral is what people I think can envision themselves sharing because it benefits them some way. It's either a funny story. And when we share a great picture, we expect the other person to go, wow, how'd you find that? And you feel good that you found that picture. So when you're doing this kind of thing, you're going, oh, I could drop Mentos into Diet Coke. That'd be easy to do. And so it became viral because people found out they could created an online account on this thing called YouTube, they could post a video and see if they could get views. And so it took off like wildfire because we had come out of an era called don't try this at home. And then all of a sudden people can try something at home. Not only do they try, but they share And that virality is what I teach teachers today as a pillar of engagement. If you can get kids to wanna to share what you did in class that day, I bet you it wasn't a worksheet. I bet you it was an experience. Experiences go viral. Worksheets don't.
0: That's one nice thing about being kind of our age is having seen the whole development of the internet. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, I was stringing a telephone line from my the telephone in the kitchen back to my room so that I could do some some dial up service, you know, before the, the worldwide internet. And yeah. uh, and kids, you know, kids these days they just don't have that experience of before. What do what you do before Wikipedia? How do you look stuff up? It's like uh, it's a, it really is a different world. So it's yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad I hope that I can pass that perspective along to my son, who will never know an internet free world. So
1: yeah, well, I think that there's some fortunate things. I mean, as parents of uh, uh, kids, uh, I have three kids who are in college right now. Um, my English major, who is graduating from the University of Puget Sound in just about a month, um, could hardly wait to call this last weekend. And he goes, listen to this. Guess what I just got. And we're listening and you hear this, chum, 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 chum. We thought, what is that? And my wife said, did you buy a typewriter? And he goes, yep, found one on Craigslist. So here this kid is in Tacoma, Washington, driving around, found somebody who had an old typewriter, paid good money, it looks like, for this old typewriter. And he's so excited about the possibility of putting real paper into this thing. And he says, I'm now pressing with purpose. And I thought, what an interesting choice of words. But an English major, whatever. You you, you get it. But I'm pressing the keys with purpose. I have to think about it. Otherwise, I have to work on removing that letter. So it makes me very intentional and my thought process intentional. I thought... We all hated them. So, I mean, the greatest thing in the world was you could type on a computer and not worry about it and hit this and it prints and whatever. But I think it's whatever you don't have is new and exciting. And again, it was an experience. The whole process of going and getting it and and the paper and the smell. He says it smells. There's a certain smell to a typewriter. And I don't know where he got this typewriter. So uh, I'm wondering what that smell is. But you get the idea. It's audible. It's it's exciting. And so it's the same thing as taking kids and letting them see a film strip or My God, uh, 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 a 16 millimeter film or whatever we used to have in school, you know, that was my job. I was the AV kid when I was in third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. I was that kid that the teacher could go cue up the Cue up the the film and we're, we're going to go to the bathroom, we'll be back. And so, you know, I'd sit there and get it all ready and everything. And it just it makes sense now looking back at it. But but kids, to, kids have never seen that. So when they see and you know, they get a chance to see that kind of stuff, I think they're really engaged because it's very different than what they're seeing today. It just it's just instinctual. Right. But as a teacher, man, can we play on that to grab their attention?
0: So science is about the wonder of the universe. And about the wonder of living things in the universe, but a lot of kids in school think that science is boring, like it's their least favorite subject in a lot of cases. So, what has gone wrong?
1: Uh, I often tell teachers a lot, as you mentioned, I do a lot of teacher professional development, and you know, I, I, over the years, I don't think I've ever had a situation where you know a, a kid comes up to you uh who has graduated and they see you again they go steve spangler remember me i was in third grade um you remember that worksheet we did in third grade it was awesome there was a true false and a matching and a multiple choice and that free response you blew my mind you know they never say that what they'll say i mean go back to a 10 20 30 year reunion and what you remember are the mishaps you remember a chemistry class when this Person was standing on the table, you know, and 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 kicking eggs and trying to do Newton's laws of motion, and ultimately the person went to the hospital. But the eggs went into the glasses perfectly, and and people go never forget the day that because that's an experience. So when you say what went wrong, what went wrong is that I think a teacher's greatest commodity is time, not money. We always thought it was money. We don't have money to. Do it. It's time right now, and. They just don't have time to allow somebody to unpack it the way that maybe they did before. Lots of pressures right now and lots of things they've got to get through and they've got to cram 36 hours into a 24-hour day, you know? Um, this generation has more to do than their parents, their grandparents, whatever. There's, there's more to do in a single day and, and the one thing that you lose is that sense of wonder. You know, to allow a kid to just play with something is amazing. And so I think we lose a little of that. I, I think that um, when a parent, when a kid comes to me and goes, oh, I don't like science, what they're basically saying is, I don't really dig the person who taught me science or didn't teach me science. Because there's not much not to like about science, right? So I don't, some, I don't think somebody created the experience for me. And I could say the sa- same thing for any subject. To have somebody who says, I hate history, you probably didn't have one of the greatest history teachers in the world, right, who could make... A new adventure come alive every single class period. Or I I don't like math. Well, the hands of the right teacher, there's some amazing math teachers. So it's that human experience. And I think that that's where the problem is, Ari, is that sometimes it's easier to invest in things than it is people. And so when you invest in products instead of people, um, you screw up the process. And I don't think an iPads that really ever inspired a kid to greatness maybe it has but in general it's not the ipad it's what you can do with it and it's a human being connected to it going hey look at this look at this i've got a guide inquiry i mean inquiry is never self-directed um at the very beginning anyway i think we have to guide that we have to nurture that help them with questions until we finally get to that point where it is self-directed and, and that was the benchmark for, for kids in school at a certain point. You would go from kindergarten, which is guided inquiry, to self-directed inquiry by fifth grade. You knew you did your job as a school, not as a teacher, but as a school. And I think there's kids that leave high school today that couldn't um, couldn't experiment their way out of a paper bag, right, couldn't answer the questions. Just, it's not their fault. They just haven't been, haven't been shown the process.
0: Did you have that when you went to school? Did you have a great mentor in, as a science teacher? Or you've talked about how your parents were magicians, speaking of the manufacturing blood and such, and oh, yeah. you learned a lot from them. So did you, did, you, did you develop an interest in science despite what you got in school or partly because of it? or And was it largely outside of the school setting? Or how, how did that happen?
1: um so it all started at home you know when your dad's a chemical engineer an electrical engineer and a magician all at the same time you know not as a living so he didn't do magic as a living mm-hmm. um you know the joke is always what's the difference between a magician and a pizza mm-hmm. and the answer is a pizza can feed a family of five so we knew at the time that you just couldn't uh like make a living to although my dad did Uh, My dad was a very prominent magician, but was a consultant. So we had these people you might've heard of, a guy by the name of Copperfield that would show up at the house. But Copperfield was probably 28 years old at the time, 26 years old at the time, and just finding his way and meeting with other magicians. He wasn't the status he is now, you know? Um, He was just looking for ideas. He was working Playboy clubs uh, around the country in these chain of clubs called Playboy clubs. And here in in Denver, there's a place called the turn of the century and he was doing his show at turn of the century and um so he's asking magicians for ideas and so I just mention it because magic was great because it taught me to think differently when you're sitting in a room of grown-ups who are all magicians weird group of people anyway but they're all kind of smart like this guy worked for um one of, them, one of them was a 3M person. So this guy's for 3M, and this one's a chemical engineer at such and such, and this one's whatever, and this one's a designer, and this one's an architect and doctors and whatever. So they all had their careers, but they thought the same when it, when they'd all come together and go, all right, I got a gig on the weekend, couple, coming up in a couple weekends. I got to make the tiger disappear at the Nuggets game, and the cheerleaders have got to come out of the box. And you would see these people go... All right, okay, we could do that. Let's just figure, and, and, and they always started with yes and, and it's not like, um, you know, an improv lesson, but they never was like, that's impossible. First of all, how do you make a tiger disappear? They got the, you know, okay, we can make the tiger disappear, but how do we sneak the girls and, and who can, and you know, and so is that process. So is this just very creative thinking process? And I think the greatest thing I learned about magic was doing what every kid who loves magic does, and that is you get your jobs as a magician. So you do birthday parties, you do Cub Scout events, oh God. Um, you do every blue and gold banquet you can get your hands on. Um, you have to work a restaurant. Don't tell me you're a magician if you didn't do restaurant work, you know, table hopping. So back in the day, you go, uh, at Bennigan's, Hi, I'm Steve Spangler. And I'm your house magician. Would you like to see a trick? And they'd look at you like, no. And then you'd walk to the next table. And then you walk and you'd learn. You have to work a magic shop. So here in Denver, we had a magic shop called Zizo's Magic Castle. And uh, Zizo's was this franchise and and you have to work at the magic shop. So I think what I learned about magic more than anything else is presentation. I learned engagement before I understood the word. I learned what it took to try to get somebody to go, wait, yeah, 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 I do want to see that. And when they would lean in, physically lean in and go, wait, wait, show me that. And now all of a sudden you're in the second part of the card routine. And all of a sudden you're in the third part where the card's going to vanish and show up, you know, on your forehead or wherever it's going to show up. You knew where you were going. So it only made sense as a teacher that why wouldn't we use these techniques? And so that presentation piece, I think, was a huge uh, part of my overall philosophy of engagement and what I've studied now for years and years and years. Uh, what does that really look like? And you don't have to do magic tricks to engage, but some of those principles are really, really good.
0: So when you work with teachers, you're not, your job isn't to fundamentally teach them science. Your job is to fund, fundamentally teach them how to make science interesting to young people. Is that, is that, your, is that your aim?
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, you ask the clients who book the services, and a lot of them don't know what they want. Um, but but some of them are, um, you know, we bought a curriculum, um, and unfortunately, the teachers don't dig it that much. So, is there any way you could come in and make that curriculum fun? And the answer, my my manager will always go, no. Uh, but but whoever you spent the $4 million on, oh, you know, whoever you paid the $4 million for the curriculum, maybe you should have them come in and make their curriculum fun. Steve uh, will come in and talk about his experience as an educator, strategies, best practices, engagement techniques. What can you do to get that child to lean in, to ask questions, to want to be in control of their own learning and to say, what if? Well, wait what if, because it's pretty easy for a kid to disengage. So what can you do to do that? And and part of the secret, Ari, is um, don't tell anybody, but part of that is for the teachers. I got to entertain the teachers a little bit at the beginning. They got to laugh because they got to open up a little bit. They got to see themselves doing what I'm doing. So, you know, I can't be doing some outrageous thing. I got to do something simple with, you know, a glass of water and a board or, you know, a piece of rope or whatever. And when they see themselves going, wait, wait, I could share that with my kids. And you go, yeah, that's what today's about. Things that you can share with your kids to get your kids to ask questions. Cause that's, what's in the standards. The standards, you know, maybe specific about, I've got to learn about fossils, or I have to learn about you know, rock formations or whatever but how you present that that's just that comes alive so it's my job to kind of model that and for them to look and go oh it's not that hard that's not that hard and then they go back and try it and they get hooked and for me to see a a teacher at the end of a workshop a full day workshop who's been teaching for 20 years who might be a little jaded sitting there going i don't want to come here in the first place i don't know what you think you're going to teach me but i've been in the classroom for 20 years and to have that person at the end kind of come up, and doesn't matter if male or female, but you know when you're going to get the conversation because you start to hear it in their voice first. You hear a little quiver. Um, sometimes you see a tear. And to see them go, I didn't know what this was about. I had forgotten. I've been doing this for so long that I forgot that at the basic element, my job is to help that kid find his or her spark. That's my job. We don't call it science. It's just life in general, right? But if you happen to be able to use science to be able to do that, how wonderful to be able to have a kid find his or her spark to say, I think I like that. And to be responsible for that. That's planting a seed. You know, the greatest thing about a teacher is many times, those kids come back and they're 35 years old and they're like, Hey, Remember me? And you're like, no, I don't remember. But they tell you their name. You're like, I thought you'd be in jail. But you're actually out and you're functioning in society. What are you doing now? And this wonderful teacher um, that I taught with in the Cherry Creek School District said a kid came back who was. Probably late 30s, early 40s, met her at a Denny's one day. Um, he, she was eating breakfast with her with her husband. And uh, he said, do you remember me? And she goes, no. And he said his name. And the family came over to say hi and everything. And he said, are you still doing that thing with the solar system? Remember that activity you did with the solar system? She said, oh, honey, uh, I've been retired for a couple years. Help me, what was that activity? And he goes, you transformed the room into the solar system. And, and we, were, we were on an expedition and we we're on a rocket ship and we went from planet to planet and you explain the solar system. He says, do you know what I do for a living? And she goes, no, tell me. He goes, uh, I work at Lockheed Martin. I was on the team that developed the solar panels that went on the rover, the first rover that went to Mars. He said, I can't help but think that I would have never been in that position if it hadn't been for that day that you made it all happen for me and and she said um eating denny's and and mixed with eggs mixed with tears um is the greatest combination she said i've ever had in my life she said how did we know and she goes it wasn't me she goes i must have been a first second third year teacher because he was old enough that he must have been a first second third year teacher she and she said i just took styrofoam balls and hung them from the ceiling and painted them and they kind of melted and there was no expedition. The kids just walked around and went <laughs> and walked around the classroom. She said, and she looked at us at, cause she came back for this luncheon you know, at Cherry Creek. And she said, and you knew what she was gonna say. You saw it coming a mile away. She said, so how did I know that that was gonna be the day that counted? And then of course she said, so you know, every day counts. You just don't know which kid you're going to resonate with, right? You don't know which kid is going to accept that frequency of energy you're putting out to go, that's it. And you can plant that seed and they don't even know it's been planted and it may come to fruition two or three years later. But that's our job. So it's my job to teach teachers to plant those seeds and to have a blast doing it. If they're having fun doing it, that's contagious enthusiasm. And they don't even have to have all the science right to be perfectly honest. If they say inertia and they meant momentum and it's a first grader, I don't care. Uh, They'll get it right sometime. But that enthusiasm and that passion and that desire to want to learn, that's everything. And the other
0: side of that is just straight to parents, which is what's more directly um, important to me. Because being able to, you know, my son watching your shows, and he's like, oh, my goodness, look at that. This is fantastic. So if we do the same thing, even if it's like a tenth as good. It's still pretty good, partly because he's linking it mentally to this great presentation that you've done already. And so, um, you know, that's helpful. It's, that's nice. Thanks for uh, thanks for making that a little easier for parents and, and you're teachers. They're doing the to, heavy uh...
1: lifting. So all I'm doing is I'm the catalyst, right? I just may be speeding this whole process up. But the whole idea, and that's what we call best day ever. And we'll talk about it later. But But you're having what I call best day ever moments. And when a child connects to you, engages with something through an experience that you've created, that's called best day ever. And a kid, not to get a big head, but a kid can have five best day ever's in the same lunch period. All right, So it's not like this thing that they're saving up. Like you and I look at each other and go, when's the last time we had a best day ever? And you're going, well, I got married. Uh, and then you go, no, what happened today? Is there anything in your life that happened today? You go, best day ever. It's, it's just this acknowledgement that a connection was made. When we're done with this podcast, this is the best day ever for me. Uh, why? Because you asked some amazing questions. You've done your homework. Um, these are not the same questions I get asked on all podcasts. And so you truly created an experience for me, and I will give you a best day ever at the end because that's, that's it. You did. You did that for me. And when a kid does that and symbolizes that uh, or, or shares that with you, I think it's deeply powerful. And that's one of the things that teachers get that sometimes parents don't see. And parents get a little jealous every once in a while when a kid wraps his or her arms around a teacher and looks up and goes, today was the best day ever. And you're looking at him going, really? Um, I don't even know what we did. And the kid's like, are you kidding me? We had glitter and glue today, you know? And the hamster. And well, that's a whole different story, right? So, right? But but we had all these things that were together and, and, and today for some reason resonated with them. And that's a pretty cool moment in time. So hats off to you. It's a long way of saying hats off to you for taking what you saw on TV that was goofing around and turning it into a meaningful experience for Quinn because he'll never forget that. That's my hope is that my boys come back someday with their kids and we're eating dinner and they're like hey dad remember that time that you caught the kitchen on fire because you thought it was a good idea to, you know whatever it is and it's like yep remember that day and then the stories unfold and and those experiences that we create for our kids and some of them we didn't even remember that we created that were so meaningful for them as well
0: we might enjoy this so not only does he want to do the experiments that you do and we've done i don't know some fraction of them but he also will present them like he's doing a science show, so, so it's hilarious. He's like a little Steve Spangler doing his little science presentation. So, I know you probably don't see that side of it a lot, but it's 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 no. it's, it's really impactful. And he's five, you know, he's watched all your That's episodes. So I don't know funny. how many times, several times.
1: So, I got introduced one time is a combination between, um, uh, uh, just name a scientist, you know, whoever this is. Uh, P.T. Barnum and uh, Steve Jobs or whatever I mean it was very complimentary but it was kind of like this I go P.T. Barnum and they go are you kidding me you're totally a P.T. Barnum you're sitting there you're kind of you're hawking it all the time and you're absolutely right Uh, it's my job to get the kids to fall in love with this and I'll pretty much do anything you know as the bio reads uh, I pretty much do uh, find the most creative ways to make science fun kind of go to any level that we needed to to do to resonate with that child, to be able to go, so this is pretty fun, do you like this? Because we got a job waiting for you. We haven't even invented it yet, but if you love this here, and you like to wonder, discover, explore, ask questions, and somehow I can build in some skills of communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity, that's STEM, I don't care what anybody says. STEM's not a checklist. It's not science, technology, engineering, and math, like people lead you to believe. It's all about communication, collaboration, critical thinking and creativity. When I can look into a kid and say, stick with me, man, just follow. I'm serious, I'm there to help guide you through. But on the end of this path is the greatest, you're not gonna have a job, you're gonna have a career, you're gonna have a lifestyle, you're gonna have, you're gonna get to do what you want to do if you'll just keep doing this. But those elements are really, really important. And when they find it, you go, just happened, ta-da, it's pretty cool either as a parent or a teacher?
0: There is a certain amount of just hard work that's a little tedious you have to do, you know, memorize the multiplication tables. Um, science careers can be, you know, a lot, of, like if you're a fossil hunter, right? You might have to spend months or go back to the same site several times over a period span of years before you find your great life's discovery. And it does happen, but you don't even know it if it's going to happen before when you're starting out. So there is a lot of, I mean, it's, you know, it's hard. I mean, it's exciting to be in a a professional scientist, but it can also be frustrating. It can also be really just a lot of just tedious, you know, looking at test tubes, test digging through rocks, whatever it is. Do you think that, so how do, how do adults help kids realize, okay, this is wildly fun and, and exciting. But at the same time, there's yeah. a lot of hard work involved and there's some dues to be paid. Um, do you, how do you approach that balance or, or meet that need?
1: Yeah. I think time is irrelevant when you love what you do. And if you have fallen, in, think of it as a relationship. I mean, how much time and effort do we invest in a relationship? Mm, some of us are entire adult life, right? And is it tedious? Yeah. Is a relationship hard? Uh, Yep. And you go through some rocky periods, you bet. And you go through some of the most amazing experiences in your life. Yeah. So time, I think once you fall in love with it, and that's the kicker is that it's not something you settle for. You fall in love with it. I hope it takes a lot more time to do this thing, you know, because I love doing this and find somebody who loves doing what they do. I mean, find an avid golfer and you go, God, isn't it just horrible that you just spent four and a half hours on the golf course? And they will look at you like it's the best four and a half hours I could spend all week. I, I, I waited for this moment, in time. and you go, but it's so hard. You have to you have to twist your elbow, and, and then you have to hold this in, and you have to stand this way. Whatever else, I'm not a big golfer, but I, I, I'm just I'm fascinated by anybody who does something well, and 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 you could just see there's a passion for what they do. I'm in a a group of people at the National Speakers Association and um, so they they have different tiers of people and some some honors that have been bestowed upon people along the way and some friends who are um, in the Speaker Hall of Fame. And as I look at these people and I'm absolutely astonished by what they do, there is nothing that I enjoy more than sitting at pre-COVID sitting at those conferences and watching a masterful speaker on stage communicate his or her information does not matter what they're talking about. When I can see them engage and develop a presentation so masterfully, it's as good as probably somebody who loves art and it's as good as somebody who loves a wonderful piece of music and whatever it is that just makes you go, that's amazing. Same kinds of thing happen. So I just love being in that environment when somebody hits that home run and goes, i just did it and and they're done and you go you just you got me from beginning to end you pulled me in that's what a movie director does i think anything ron howard touches pretty much is masterful right and you know he's gonna pull you in and you love the fact that you go all right i'll give you the gift of my time my engagement So go ahead create the experience and then i emotionally connect to the characters that person creates (sighs) you just found the formula for best day ever right so that's that, That's when you come out, that feeling when you come out of a movie and you go, that was perfect. That's that best day ever feeling, you know?
0: All right. I guess it's largely about finding your thing because it's like it's so obvious you were made or you made yourself to, to fill the role you've filled. I mean, it's just like I can't imagine you doing something else. Um, and like golf, I, I do not have no interest in golf, but I appreciate people who develop that passion and skill in it. Yeah. And uh, so before the pandemic, we, w- we went to the Nature Museum in Denver a lot. Um, and I would watch the, vo- they're volunteers, they're not even getting paid. They're sitting behind these plexiglass walls, tediously digging out these particles from the bones. Like they, they we recently found a, a, a triceratops in our area. So they've been, I, we, we watched them over a span of months, tediously digging out the bones. And it takes them months or years to fully dig these fossils out. And again, these are a lot of these people are volunteers. And I think, yeah. you know, I don't personally want to do that. But it's just, you just imagine how how much passion they have for, for making this ancient animal come alive again, in some sense, at least in our imaginations, yeah. when they strip all this extra gunk away from the fossilized bones. And there must be something yeah. that they love about it, because they do it for free. And so I guess part of the answer is just finding your thing that really makes it work for
1: you time disappears. When you, when you hit that frequency, you know, people who talk about transcendental meditation, talk about that moment in time, when you slip into, you're there, you're, you're in that period of, of, um, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, I'm sure that people who know TM are going to be mad. Uh, but, but it's that moment where you've slipped away and then all of a sudden you come back, and you're like it's been 20 minutes and i didn't even know 20 minutes disappeared i think you're in that moment sometimes i can imagine that an archaeologist who's digging or somebody who is pain uh, you know, carefully uh painlessly just moving that little, little little brush back and forth to reveal the bone and they only see a little bit of progress every day that little bit of progress is probably huge to them going this was amazing and and that's it and and people who are listening, I mean, to put some context behind this, there's a wonderful guy by the name of Dr. Peter Benson, who ran the search Institute in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, and and Peter Benson was famous for saying kids need three things. Number one, you got to have a spark. So if you want a successful kid, you got to have a spark. And that's the hardest thing because a lot of people in the world have never even found their spark and they're much older and they don't find their spark until they're in their fifties or sixties. Who knows? You has got to find a, a spark, something that makes you want to jump out of bed every single day. Then you need somebody who can champion the cause. So let's say that my spark is um, art and I, and I want to be an artist. Then you got to have somebody who will champion the cause. And, and Peter Benson pointed out, you can't have your parents champion the cause because they will course correct. It's easy for a parent to go, oh, honey, we like art too. But isn't accounting awesome? Don't you think web design would be great? Have you ever, and the kid's like, "Uh, but I like art. And so you got to get somebody. So when a kid goes, I love art, that's our chance as a parent, whatever they say, I love, you just go, great, let's put you in here. And so now we give them things called summer classes and opportunities and to be around and all of a sudden you see Quinn come alive and he comes alive and you go, hmm, there's something here. So you have to have people who can champion the cause. If they come out of that phase, that next little baby step in, so to speak, right, using another reference, then all of a sudden you need somebody who can support the cause. That's our job as parents. So when the kid comes out on the other end and goes, hey, dad, I think, uh, think I wanna be an English major. It's my job to go, I think that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Where, where do you think you wanna go to school? And, and now all of a sudden they're part of the process they're engaged and connected they're championing their experience right so those things come together and i've been very fortunate as a father to have kids come out on three different levels you know with things i've got my oldest going i'll never forget the day that he came home from a um, heritage high school where he went to school and he's like at the dinner table and i tell teachers this is my line right taking stuff right from the act Uh, i tell people if it gets to the dinner table you win If you're an educator who creates an experience and it gets to the dinner table you win it 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 got past the classroom so my son comes home junior in high school is like um, greatest day in ap english ever i go really jack what happened um mr de stefano took us outside and we read we read woodsworth i think he was reading woodsworth and he climbed in a tree. We went out by the tennis courts and he climbed, he shouldn't be climbing in a tree, but he did and he he sat in the tree and he read because according to Woodsworth, uh, he would read from a tree. And and this guy just created this experience and these kids sat below him and listened to the poetry and Jack will never forget that day for the rest of his life. I can hardly wait to take him that book uh, on his graduation day when we were up at Puget Sound to be able to go, here's the book. It took me forever to find a really, really old copy of this, but this is the book. And that's that moment in time that I think you found your passion. And he's sitting here going, well, what am I going to do next? And I go, I don't care <laughs> you'll find it, but you're in the groove now. Right now, we'll just figure out where you're going to go. It's perfectly fine, but you're in the groove. This is what you love. We'll, we'll find it. Don't worry about that.
2: You know? well, congratulations. But, last that, night, my funny.
1: kid, uh, one of my twins, we have twins that are also in college. And uh, one of the one of the twins, Mark, said, uh, mom and dad called because he's very anal retentive about things like this mom and dad you do know i'm going to be a history major yes son i do know but i've been thinking about the second degree and we are going oh god please not four more years he goes i think i can do it but i'm thinking it's going to be a communications degree and you could, I, I mean i almost cried it's like oh buddy that's perfect because he goes i think companies need somebody who knows how to Understand a story and communicate it correctly with analysis. Mic drop. That's perfect. You know, who knows if that's gonna work? But little Mark figured it out. He's not so little anymore. But when that moment in time happens, that's when you get to step back as a parent and go, uh, "What can I do? Is there anything I can do? You know, can I? Is there anything I can get you or anything?" Because they figured it out. Now they're on their course, and that's pretty fun.
0: That's great. No, offhand, that sounds like a great business idea to me. This has been a really strange year with the pandemic, and I watched your, I think it's your most recent appearance on the Ellen DeGeneres show, which was a great presentation, but it was, it was strange because the studio audience was a bunch of video screens with faces on it, and it's just been a really weird year for, for all of us, um, obviously, so, but I was curious, how has the pandemic impacted people's interest in your work? Because a lot of people are doing more stuff online. so and, and then also, not only with the DIY side, but with your uh, science kits and supplies that your um, other side of your operations is, is producing. Yeah. And also, how has the pandemic just impacted how you go about your business?
1: Uh, it it. Uh, so, let's take it in some little chunks there and, and let you kind of course correct if you want to course correct along the way. Um, The Ellen show has been interesting. Uh, What a wonderful lady she's invited us on. I think that was our 23rd time on the show. And uh, I don't know how much longer she's going to do the show. And I'm just thankful every year that she says, I want to do more. And I get a call from the producer who says, what are you working on? And that one was interesting because it was, uh, we'd really like to have you in studio. And so Ellen would like you in studio, but it's going to be weird because we're all in these masks and no studio audience. And When you're on that show, just backstage, the roar of that audience is like an arena. And it's just a couple hundred people. I mean, it's insane. So it's loud and the energy is... And she was exciting as well, but it was strange to go out there to crickets and you hear nothing. And so every once in a while you hear a little clap or whatever, and you know they're going to dub in some stuff along the way. But um, the bottom line is that um, that appearance worked well from the standpoint that people are like... uh, That was fun to do the Mentos and the Diet Coke thing that we did at the very end. But they like the simple little tricks we do. We did that swinging the the cup around, for example, on the plate. That, That was an Ellen piece. And people like, I could do that at home with kids. And I realized that during the pandemic, people were searching for those experiences they had taken for granted that teachers are supposed to do. And teachers were searching for ways to connect with kids in a different way wouldn't that happen here in this screen i mean if you're a teacher that is used to having 27 little creatures or 30 or 35 or whatever we have in in our room and all of a sudden you're not connecting with them that way anymore they're enamored by the technology they're so excited because it's like i get to be on a computer and i get to take this and i can i can go to class while i'm sitting in my bed or a tent or outside or something and when the thrill of that wears off that's that superficial engagement and then a teacher has to truly try to get their attention, it's super, super hard, right? So you, your your hat's gotta go off to a teacher going, all right, I'll learn it. But you know what I say to teachers is mm, suck it up because you were built to do this. This is your gift, right? If everybody has a gift, your gift as a teacher is you know how to communicate and connect with people and you know how to share information. And it doesn't matter if somebody gives you a corner room or a room in the middle of the building or in the basement, we could still teach. Somebody just gave you another room with small little creatures in little boxes all over your computer. And it sucks, I get it, but you learn to communicate. And I I think that what we learned from what we were doing was just this outpouring of of requests for, could you just help us please? I mean, here we were a couple weeks into the pandemic after we shut down, probably the beginning of April, standing in this very place, because this is the house that we use for the TV show. This isn't my house. This is the house that we rented and used for the TV show and just stayed here because we had to stop production of the show. And I got the cameras here and Higgins is here. He's learning how to do this. He didn't know how to do all of this ahead of time, but this last year has been a crash course. He's pretty amazing at it right now. And can you imagine going to our Facebook page, a little shameless plug for facebook.com slash Steve Spangler and simply saying, Hey, we're going to do a Facebook Live tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Anybody interested? Ari, 45,000 people would show up sometimes. 45,000 people. And guess what they wanted? Content. Teach me how to do something. My kid needs help. And And I'm stuck at home, and I don't know how to be a teacher. And so it was a chance for me to just pull out the simplest things and go, You know how to do the thing with the gobstoppers and the plate and the what? No, oh, I'll show you that. And so I'd do that. And so you'd find, you know, half dozen kitchen chemistry things that you would show people how to do and say, all right, see you later. Tell me how it works. And they could hardly wait to share them. And, And then they would come back and they'd share the experience. And it was that thing back and forth. And to watch people come to this point in time to go. You know, one of the greatest things that ever happened about this pandemic is i connected with my kids differently than ever before other people you know are going to come out of this wanting to kill the kid after after this much time together or your spouse or whoever it might be but you if you look on the positive side of it people wanted content and what we realized was this was our time to shine in terms of going what can i do to help you i'm not trying to sell you anything um, i sold my product businesses a couple of years ago I'm not trying to sell you a kit of things. Uh, I'm just trying to show you how to do a couple things. And if I can show you how to do that and you can connect and you can engage, that's pretty amazing. And maybe the last piece that I learned out of this that I'm now sharing with corporate groups um, and, and people who are interested in the science of engagement is what this period of time taught me is how to humanize the square. It was my job as a teacher to pull human beings out of each one of those squares that I'm looking at right now And to say there's a story, a human being who wants to connect, who wants to engage, and they don't all resonate at the same frequency, you know? It's like, you ever seen somebody play the glasses, play wine glasses? So they fill them with different amounts of water and they play. Well, everyone doesn't resonate at the same frequency. You've got to find different levels of water in each one of those glasses. And it's still your finger and you're going around each one and it works. But you have to finely tune that. That's what I have to do as a teacher. I have to finally tune each and every one of those squares to be able to play the song. And once you learn how to do it, it's a pretty good skill and not everybody in the world can do it, but teachers can. And then guess what? Somebody comes along and changes your class. And that's like dumping all the water out and you get to tune the glasses again. But once you got it down and you know you're in the groove, it's pretty amazing. So it's the best analogy that I can come up with. I've just, I, I've been fixed on and, and, and just Um, passionate about finding ways to humanize the square and to share with teachers what I learned, what I did wrong, and a couple things that I did right, and hopefully some strategies that they can use in the classroom.
0: Let me ask you to get out your crystal ball then, because hopefully we're beginning to emerge from this pandemic. I know that it's still raging through certain countries like Brazil and India are having a tough go of it still. So hopefully, and even in Colorado, we're we're having increased caseloads. So Hopefully the vaccine push will start to tamp that down very soon. Um, but it's a little unclear to me how things are things are gonna pan out and what our new normal is gonna look like. So just to give you a an indication, a few days ago, the New York Times ran an article with the title, online schools are here to stay even after the pandemic. So how do you see online education continuing to develop? And then what's your analysis or judgment in other words are there ways that you're seeing this integration of technology fail and are there ways that you think that it can be or eventually will evolve to be better so that we can because obviously we need the in-person hands like you can't watch somebody with their hands on you have to have your hands on you right looking at you to goop is great but it's not enough they have to get their hands in the goop and so what's What's going to, what do you see? What do you see the trend lines coming out as and how do you see, how would you push the trend lines if you could, or to the degree that you can?
1: Right. you spend a couple hours just on that one single question, but, but highlights uh, along the way. Uh, I think we saw during the pandemic teachers who were phenomenal in the classroom, completely shut down online. So that experience was a bad experience for kids and, um, We had personal experience with teachers who were just absolutely amazing for our kids, but online didn't really cut it. I mean, and to have the boys say, if I had had that teacher just online, I wouldn't know that he was that amazing teaching such and such, right? And so, and then you found some teachers who were not all that good in the classroom. I mean, they're good, I guess, but found their absolute niche online. And they they connected. And they, they resonate, and it worked. So is online to uh, going to stay? I think New York Times, I mean, who am I to say? But I, I'm involved in the mix right now. We were approached months ago by an organization called OutSchool. Um, OutSchool is this amazing... I've heard of them. Uh, I think they're in Utah. Yeah, and they have grown. And there is a big hold here in Colorado just in terms of just the leadership team, the administrative team. But, you know, I think they've grown to over 100 employees now. They had... 20, 30,000 members in 2019 to almost 3 million members now uh, in out school. And these are, if if you're unfamiliar, you can just buy a class, anything and everything. So if your kid likes science, you go search science and you might come across Steve Spangler's science camp. I just came off of two weeks of STEM camp. So Steve Spangler's spring break STEM camp, that's a lot of S's, Um, uh, and you could do that. And, And how do I do STEM camp? Online, well, I send you materials. So we pull together some boxes of materials and send it to them. Put together a list of things from parents need to have you get this, this, and this: pencil, salt, some water, some paper towel, all those other things. And it was my job as the facilitator, as the educator, to make these experiences come alive. And there's no place in that STEM camp that we had a piece of paper that said now. Why don't you do steps one through five, and when you're done, I'll be back. It didn't unfold like that. They had the write-ups of everything, but the very first thing that happened was, see those cards that explain things? that's for the afterglow party and these kids get that you know these kids are elementary upper uh, upper elementary 6th uh, grade you know something like that so first through 6th grade so you can see them they open up the kit for the day and they take the instructions and put it off to the side and they're ready to learn because they know the adventure the adventure is going to unfold and they know i'm going to take them on a journey you know and i'm fortunate enough that they follow and for some of them, it's a great experience. And for others, it's an okay experience because they would just rather learn we, in person. Can I but clarify
0: first? Yeah, go ahead. Are, are you, is this the sort of, are you saying that you created some video content first or are you saying it was totally live with you in the league? 100% live. Oh, okay. I, That's the interesting.
1: Reason, the reason I did the Zoom things a year ago and I started doing the Facebook Lives and we did our first STEM camp last summer, I, did, I thought I was going to do a week as in, one session one hour a day for monday through friday and i would take 30 kids and so i put that announcement on facebook saying first 30 who say yes you're in i'll send you some materials because honestly ari I needed to learn this platform you know when Higgins so if you're watching right now what you don't see with this setup right here is that I could show you this over here and I want to be able for it to connect this way so you can kind of see then hook this and into here but maybe you need to see the close-up that's here so I'm really going to engage with you, or maybe you're back here and the kids are like what's over here why do you have a rubber chicken on here and I go I can't even explain that to you so you just have to so So I had to learn the platform. Higgins had to learn what we're doing. I had to learn how to humanize the square. Now, and you can't do that with one week. So all of a sudden parents are like, what about week two? And I went, well, I'll do the afternoon session that first week, but all I can devote is a week to this. Second week sold out, morning and afternoon, third week, fourth week, fifth week. So I did five weeks and it took me that long to realize what this is all about. And I figured if I didn't do this, I had nothing to tell teachers about when we go back in because it didn't look like we were going to go back live. So if school districts who I had serviced for years were going to call in, in August and say, could you just help us somehow? I had nothing to talk about unless I had put hours in, you right? You know, cockpit time, so to speak. Get up, take the plane off, land the plane thousands of times before you can deal with those rough times, right? And so I just needed to be able to do that. So that it was total live content. And this last couple of weeks was live content. Just again, trying to see, does this model work? And if it does work, how can I push it? Could I teach other educators how to be online educators? What are the techniques that work? What doesn't work? Part of my personality and presentation, can I share that with you? Um, or, or how do I pull out the elements of yours? So, you know, it's it's fun for me. There are little metrics along the way. We watch... Um, how soon the kids come into the room before the camp's going to start? So if camp starts at one o'clock on the first day of the camp, they're there at twelve fifty-nine because it's going to start in a minute. By the end of the week, they're there as much thirty minutes ahead of time. And you're going that poor kid because they could hardly wait. And you know who's there? And as soon as that door opens, you can see them going. Steve Spangler, look at what I just did. I did this and I did this and I did this. And they can hardly wait to share with you because they're part of the experience. The time is absolutely irrelevant to them because they're in the groove, right? And so when that connects that way, it's fantastic. Is this good for everybody? No. And, and you know, if you listen and you can't watch the news because if you do, you just hear the most horrible things. I don't care which side you listen to. Either way you hear these horrible things and not everybody has had a bad time with this and you know there are teachers and there are parents and there are kids who have this is their thing and they're going to do this and out schools of the world will continue to flourish because it's a great way for some people to learn. I'm able to do professional development better than I've ever been able to do before because today I'm with you, but in an hour and a half, I'm in Arizona. Well, no, in in about a half an hour, I'm in Arizona for a tech check. And then all of a sudden I've got a group of teachers at three o'clock mountain time. And uh, I'll do that for an hour. And tomorrow I'll be in Canada. And then in the afternoon, we'll be doing something in California. So I can bounce around and I am a road warrior. I used to do this. But I am logging so much more time actually engaged in professional development and I think able to work with teachers and learn from teachers than I could ever do before. So this is a pretty good thing. Do I want to be in person? I still like the roar of the crowd. And so it's pretty fun to step out on stage at a big conference and with 2,500 teachers. That's a pretty awesome thing or wherever you are. But this is pretty good too. So if you're really trying to deliver, this is not a bad way to do it. It's a loaded question because there's so much to talk about.
0: No, yeah, that's that's a great story. I didn't know you were doing that sort of thing. I'll look that up. Um, but no, I've been wanting to buy like my first concert ticket. And now I'll look for the first mm-hmm. ticket to Steve. You should do something at the museum, like a grand reopening. I know that they're already open, but, you know, just like really open it up. Um, that'd be, that'd be good fun.
1: We do something every year. We have been. We've been so fortunate to partner with the Colorado Rockies. And we do a big event called Weather and Science Day. When Weather and Science Day started in 2007, the idea was that the local meteorologist at Channel 9 and I, Kathy Saban and I, would stand on the Colorado Rockies dugout roof and address maybe 100 kids who were in the stands. Well, that first year was the the year that we got the Guinness World Record, so there were 7,000 people in the stands. And we did the world's largest physics experiment they all participated in this physics experiment and so that's when Guinness awarded us the real Guinness world record and uh, since then been broken you know so many times but we just had to set the bar somewhere right but the idea was people would want to come out for those big events And you're absolutely right. You you want to do that. And the Rockies were crossing their fingers. Could we do it? Could we do it? And you can tell it just wasn't going to happen this year. You know, as much as it's slowly kind of opening up, we're not, we, you know, that event now draws about 12,000 people. From the Denver metro area and even outside of the Denver metro area that come to Coors Field in the morning to watch yours truly and and a team of people do weather and science day for about an hour and then they stay for the Colorado Rockies game in the afternoon that's an experience you know so that's what we're looking to build and so I'm I'm excited about those kinds of things returning to, to normal I think I'll hit the road for real conferences um in certain states that are opening up you know so i've i'm booked in july and in august and mississippi and texas and florida and louisiana and so you just you start working through those states that are open now and working their way through that process it'd be really interesting to see what it's like because there could be nothing worse than doing a live event with two people at a table um you know we've declined we've said no to some events that are there's some things that are in las vegas and uh, they, have a, uh, they have a space for 5,000. They're expecting and they're going to allow 500 and they're going to be spread out accordingly. That's just death. Um, I'd much rather be with you right now. I can see your eyes, Ari. So, but I can't see, I can see your face. And when you laugh, I see you laugh or whatever. I can't do that in a room of people that have masks on that are at a table and scared. And so, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, it, it is just—it's been very difficult for just a completely different profession. You know, I'm a teacher, but I'm a speaker, and so the world of professional speaking has just been rocked by COVID. So, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like on the other on the other side.
0: Well, listen, I've gotten through six questions of my twenty-one questions, so I'm going to have to selective now but one thing that i did want to because ask
1: because i answered too long it's my fault no 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 no, no. it's no it's
0: great if i don't have if i get through all my questions that i you know i haven't really done enough follow-up and such so no this yeah, is great but uh but one thing i did want to know so one thing that caught my attention with your show is that because you're local to me we're both in colorado i right. can see all the a lot of places that i've been and some places i haven't been And it was really fun just to see the local, the local environments where you've done your work, your magic. Like one of my favorites is you were at wings over the Rockies and you were using these giant air compressions to knock over giant stacks of cups with a bunch of kids. That looked like great fun. But I was just, as things hopefully continue to open up more, what are your favorite science spots that parents can take their kids or teachers can take their kids on a field trip and such?
1: Well, you, across the country, um, I've been privileged to be able to uh, make friends with so many of the directors of science museums around the country. You, whenever you're on a trip, you got to be kind of a nerd and and go to the local science museum. Now, you can't sit in the car and go, kids, guess what we're going to do today? We're going to the science museum and you're going to like you can't do that. So what you have to kind of do is you have to go. I heard that there's this thing that you get to lay on this thing and you press a button and 4500 nails lift your body up and you're like floating on nails and I think we could get in if anybody wanted to do and kids are like yeah. I got to do that or how would you like you know it's it's kind of how you present it as the parent because i've been there on that other side where the kids are going. hey dad how about not let's not do that, you know so but but you've got to hit your local science museums, they are just treasures and if you're a teacher and you're not even getting your professional development from your local museum you're missing out because there's money there that has been allocated for professional development and museums offer some of the greatest professional development that you could ever imagine they just teach you how to be a better teacher it's not about you bringing your kids back to the field trip it's just you getting to interact with professionals that normally the school district can't even afford so I think you're always looking for those kinds of things you're doing everything that the engaged parent is doing as well um, but you're showing some interest uh, in some of the crazy things that are out there like you're introducing them to food science and there's got to a chef that's doing something with food science in your area called molecular gastronomy and they're pretty nerdy and there's liquid nitrogen and there's you know these little places where uh, instant freeze ice cream little places that popped up all you know so you're just looking for these weird things that you're just I think at this point here between the kid when the kids were like born and 18 years old I think one of the twins said to us dad you kind of you and mom were like kind of like you did buffet for us and I said, we went to buffets? And they go, no, just everything that we did was like a buffet, sample a little of this and do a little of this, a little of this. And the kids are like, hey, could we go back to this again? <laughs> this is really pretty good. And let's not do this anymore. I'm glad we did that. But remember when, so I think it's that sampling and, and great. You know, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but I'm just reminded that those are the experiences that I'm hearing my kids now at, at 19 years old and 22 years old starting to talk about. And finding the pictures, you know, in the iPhoto gallery now that it has 100,000 pictures. And they're starting to go through these things going, ah, remember this and remember this and remember this. And we all have those times, but those experiences, they change everything. And we don't know about the seeds that we planted with our kids. So, you know, I'm always, always looking for that kind of stuff. And, and um, you know, I always try to find that local museum because there's somebody coming in that's going to be cool doing something. So you, you've got it all. You, you know what's going on. So there's this really
0: funny line from Speaker Magazine. They did a feature on you some years ago. And it's from Renee Spangler. And she said, Steve creates and I make sure that we don't go bankrupt. So I'm wondering if you have any, if you, what, how do, how does your team, I didn't realize you had such a big team until I saw some video of all the people involved you. There's, it's quite a large team yeah. now. So what are your reflections on the growth of your business and how it is to keep this, this uh, Motley crew together, working on these, interesting and creative projects
1: well i'm going to tell renee that you she made the podcast today so she's going to be like oh god what did you say i'm going to have to do and i go no, no it's all good so um so uh i met my wife in high school um we were in chemistry class together i know it's just so sappy it's sick uh she was taking the advanced placement chemistry i had created a traveling demo show when i was a senior in high school to get some more credits we needed six students uh, I, we were looking for the sixth one, my chemistry teacher, who was, I didn't tell you about, you know, just that mentor, but my high school chemistry teacher really is a significant reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today, because he made me fall in love with teaching. It was one thing to be a magician and my dad ran a magic school, but it's another thing to see somebody who was engaging and he loved my magic slant on demos. And so I was doing demos for his classes and rigging up stuff for him. So he was the rock star. And uh, so he comes to me and he goes, hey, don't you think Renee would be great on your demo show? Like a teacher is hooking me up, which is great. Isn't that awesome? Today you go to jail for that kind of stuff, but he's hooking me up going, hey, pretty good on the old demo show, don't you think? And so, so uh, you, you marry your high school sweetheart and, uh, and, and honestly, as the business grew, she was the one that had that business savvy that I didn't have. I'm an entrepreneur entrepreneurs are if you know anything about business you're and you know anything about the cycle of business we're in the chaos part of that circle so there's innovation and then there's chaos and i'm chaos so it's like watch this and i'm doing this thing and they and go hey everybody now i inspire the team to go let's make these and sell them and the team's like yep and so while they're sourcing creating doing all that kind of stuff i've already forgotten about that idea and i'm on to the next idea so i come rolling in you know 10 days later going look at this and they're like Wait, I'm confused. I thought we were doing this. And you go, I know, but do this as well. This will be. And so I am constantly chaos. And so Renee's comment was correct. If, if she would have let me just do what I wanted to do, we would have been bankrupt a long, long, long time ago. And it's not like we didn't get close along the way. We ultimately had, I think at our heaviest, we were 47 employees um, that we had in the, uh, the Denver office. And, um, Manufacturing, we had two factories that were producing overseas for a line of toys that we would find at Target called Be Amazing Toys. That since has become Steve Spangler Science, and uh, she's the one. She's the she is the leadership that kept that team together. I just had a couple people. So on the speaking side, I have a wonderful guy by the name of Brian Higgins you met, and my agent who's been with me for 19 years, Carly Reed and uh they get tv they get speaking they go to events they're on the road with me they're up at four in the morning for tech checks they're uh, they're there when the equipment doesn't arrive and we're running around to walmart's trying to find the craziest stuff to pull off the gig the next day they're there for every tv show the ellen folks like them more than they like me so um now i just have three people uh including myself well yeah really it's just us um, our companies were acquired in 2018. So Steve Spangler Science was acquired and Spangler Science Club, which was our kid of the month club, was acquired in 2018 by a company called Excelligence Learning. And they own some pretty big names like Discount School Supply. And if you're a teacher, you know really good stuff and EPI and a lot of these big companies, Frog Street. And so that was the craziest thing. That's a different podcast at a different time talking about the business. What happens when you call, name the business your name? and you don't die and you still want to do things and somebody buys your name and the people who acquired steve spangler science were of this very high level business mindset many of them were ex procter and gamble people who are you know when you got a cfo who was at png or what you know they they're very poignant we love your gadgets but we're buying that brand and so they bought steve spangler science and that's pretty crazy to have somebody buy that. And then that's their house. Now you can't go back to somebody after you sell them your house and go, Hey, why'd you screw up the yard? I mean, we had, it was great. And then you guys screwed it up by doing this and you put a thing over there and it's yours now, but it still has my name attached to it. So there is a division. If you go to stevespangler.com, that's me. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're not asleep by now, if you go to stevespangler.com, that's me. If you go to anything on social media at Steve Spangler, that's me, the lawyers had to kind of ta- detangle all of that. Anything that's Steve Spangler science, that's the product business over there and they do their thing. And I am excited to support them and what they do and, and kind of champion their cause for them and, and that type of thing. But I continue to, uh, to do speaking, professional development, writing books, TV stuff all the stuff that we're doing here. I could pull off some pretty amazing things with a team that size, and it is fun to go back. There are three YouTube channels, and if you go back through and you start looking at, you know, the precursor to the show that you found me on, DIY Sci, we first did that show as a show that Google actually paid for, YouTube paid for called The Spangler Effect. So we were part of the original content series that uh, when they were Google and, and YouTube wanted to create series, And so they paid to have us do two seasons of The Spangler Effect, and that was in 2010. So we did two seasons, 2010 that took us to 2012. And then ultimately that show um, was seen by a producer Uh, Rotfeld Productions who said why don't we turn this into a regular nationally syndicated show and we called it DIY Sci. You can definitely go to our website at stevespangler.com and search and you can even see some episodes from there and there's a whole page of all the Ellen appearances and if you're a teacher there's some cool ways to connect we're connected with a company now called Kessler Science. And uh, Kessler does some really amazing professional development and resources for teachers. And so we have taken what we're doing in phenomenon-based learning, that's what you call these demonstrations, we have almost 1800 videos that are available for parents and teachers, and taking those and now putting structure around those for the next generation science standards. And Kessler is doing that and being able to use these resources in the classroom. So it's kind of like play with a purpose, so to speak.
0: And I, I see Smithsonian carries a book of yours called 10 Minute Science Experiments, and you have several other books out. You're on Twitter at Steve Spangler, and I guess you have, I don't use TikTok, but I guess you're on TikTok or
1: something. Um, Is that, so that, I guess you're that's out there. A di- that, there's a different podcast at a different time, but last May we had zero videos, zero followers, zero likes reached out, uh, TikTok reached out and said, I think you should try to teach science on TikTok. And I said, does this guy look like TikTok? Is this is this TikTok material right here? You know, you see who's on TikTok. And, uh, and we did it. And uh, we loaded with videos and I learned how to teach a science lesson in 59 seconds. So it took 50, that's all you're allowed is 59 seconds. And it just shuts off. And uh, we now are, I don't know, maybe 300 million views on the videos, 1.2 million subscribers and now, I don't know, close to 20 million likes. So the metrics for TikTok, it's small compared to the big players, but still the question was, could I use that medium to engage people into learning something that they're not accustomed to learning to or learning when you go to TikTok? So it's truly an experiment, and I'm taking what I'm learning from that experiment and sharing it with educators. If they can learn from it and we can engage better in the classroom, then we're going to plant seeds better in the future.
0: Well, just so listeners know, I will also compile all of these links that I can find because I frankly didn't even know about some of the stuff you mentioned on the show today. And I'll put them in my show notes. That'll be at my website too. So I'll have the links compiled there too. And then you can go to Steve's website. So, well, on a personal note, I really appreciate, especially in this, again, strange pandemic here, where we haven't traveled as much, haven't gotten out as much. It's really been nice for me as a parent to be able to have good quality video content like I said, my kid is five and he's seen every episode that you've ever done. I mean, on the DIY side, we I, we haven't dug back deep into the YouTube catalog yet. So I didn't know about some of that until I was researching for the show. But, but all, on the DIY side, he's seen every episode. I don't know. I can't even tell you how many times, but it's been so nice to have content like that. And, you know, we've we watched, he, he has a few other favorites too. So you have a few competitors out there.
1: I won't it's all call good. Competitors. Not, not competitors we'll at all. We're all doing the same <laughs> thing. So it's, we're, we're, we're all, you know, you just don't know. Somebody tees up the ball, you know, somebody swings, somebody hits. So you just have no idea uh, how it's going to happen uh, and where you are in this process. But as long as you're a piece of that puzzle and you can be helpful with it, that's great.
0: So it's just been really, well, he's obviously learned a lot for one thing, but he's also just had a really good time just exploring this new field of content that's been out there that's, you know, yeah. certainly wasn't available when I was a kid. And so no. that's, that's been, that's been fantastic. So on a personal level, uh, thank you for providing all that. And I know that there's a lot of parents out there who are, it was a much better year because they had access to those sorts of resources into your show and awesome. to other shows um, along those lines. So thanks for being on the show. I know you have another event coming up here, but I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your thoughts and Maybe next time i can get you through questions seven through 21 and
1: uh you are you but. are awesome so the 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 little gift here at the very end is uh for quinn um we have three youtube channels and uh one of them is uh, youtube.com oh. six science s-i-c-k science because kids go that's sick and uh, that probably has the greatest engagement but you're going to find Um, lots and lots of videos on there that he might uh, find uh, of interest. If you go to youtube.com slash The Spangler Effect, you're going to find the precursor show to DIY Sci, so go look at The Spangler Effect. And if you want to see what we do on TV over the years, especially all the stuff here, if you're a local person on Nine News, then just go to youtube.com slash SpanglerScienceTV and uh, you'll find lots and lots and lots of content there. So As I say, you're gonna find out, you'll dig down a rabbit hole and two hours will be gone of your life that you can never get back. And you're gonna go, honey, it's dark outside. I can't believe I've been watching these videos this long, but I found out something really cool to do with Skittles. So, you know, you'll figure out something cool that'll be fun for them to play along the way. When
0: do the next episodes hit for DIY, Sci?
1: I just did the voiceovers today for the last episode of the fourth season. And that means we'll start taping the fifth season in the fall of this year, so those probably won't even hit until 2022. It's weird how the that goes, and so there's going to be other projects in there along the way, but we'll tape those, and so they'll unfortunately keep him in rotation for uh, for um, um, reruns for a while. So we'll keep him busy with some other YouTube content and all the other people who are out there producing cool science content as well. So go get him to do that, just to have him have him find anybody he can watch. Keep him watching, keep him engaged, and we'll come back on and share some new content with him in the coming year.
0: Okay, well, thanks a lot. Huge thanks.
1: So, Tell Quinn well,
0: thanks as well, okay? All right, thank you. Thanks. This has been the Self and Society podcast. For more, please see Ari Armstrong.